hello welcome back to another episode of creating a village today is well i'm your host millie here to help nurture the village within you and today is another special day i have a special guest with me if you would please introduce yourself to the public hello public I am Akia Azula, and I am a spiritual entrepreneur. I do a system called Creation, which helps people to find, fulfill, and monetize their purpose. Some work that I've been doing for the last 15 years. My career as an acupuncturist, I've been doing for close to 40 years. But um, this particular type of work that I've been doing lately called Creation, that has been for the last 15 years. Okay, wow, that's that is so amazing. Like, um, I know part of this conversation today will just kind of be about the differences in generations, and I know that yes. a thing that comes up a lot is how my generation—I'm Gen Z, I'm 23—we don't stick with one type of career or job for long periods of times. Like, we go in and we're like okay, I'm ready to go. We don't wait for the gold watch that some people get. Oh, I don't even think they give that. I don't think they give that out anymore. <laughs> well, and, oh, well, there you go. There's no and, incentive to stay. Yeah, and I, I really think that um, the whole sticking with the job because you got this pension and all of that, mm. um, I don't even think they do that. I think it's very rare that you meet any company that even do any of that stuff anymore. Oh, um, no. My my parents' generation, my like my mom and her people, um, they have the longevity on the job where you stay 25 mm-hmm. years and up and you know you're a company man or woman and you got a pension when you finished. And then they did away with that um might have been around when I was your age. Mm. So they kind of got a, got rid of unions and, you know, um, collective bargaining and all of those types of things. They got rid of oh, that. Wow. So I would say from my age, I'm like the, the end of boomer, beginning of the Xers. I guess they call them the Gen X. Mm, I'm like no in idea. that range, whatever. I think there's like X, Y, Z, right? Yeah. And so, and millennials are the why, I think that that's who the whys are. Yes, that would make sense. Yeah. But they just call them millennials because I think they came of age at, in around the year 2000. So I think that's uh. why they call millennials. But um, I remember that there was no more of that, you know, being on the job. And then my generation was that generation of the explorers. So, well, we're going to do what makes us happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we started, yes. the boomers were into being happy, but we were like that generation where we felt entitled to be happy. So it was always this pursuit of what, you know, you know, like, why am I here? And what am I here to do? And my life has to have meaning and my work has to have meaning. And, yeah. you know, so I, think that was a very strong um mindset in the generation that I was in mm. so I, I would say that carried over into our generation too because yeah. I know a lot of people like myself included I, um coming out of college or just inside of college as well I was like mm, I know I don't want to get a job I want to do something that brings <laughs> me joy I'm not just about to go over here 
just so I can get paid to do something that I know will not bring me happiness or like fulfillment. Things to happen. Mm, yeah. More so than, you know, like you had to do a job and then the other stuff was like your side hustle. Unless you, you know, like mm. I did acupuncture. Um, this was like 1980, 1982. And mm. a lot of, um, what do you call it? People thought I was just crazy. They're like, well, who, nobody never heard of that. Nobody mm. is going to come and pay you to do that. And I just stuck to my guns. I just was like you. I was like, yeah. ah, it makes me happy. I'm interested. I find it, you know, exciting to do. I like um, helping people in that way. Yeah. So I just stuck to my guns and did it regardless of what anybody else said. Mm -hmm. It's not like I really took seriously what other people told me to begin with. Yes. <laughs> you know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. And I actually want to ask you, so one, can you define um, acupuncture? acupuncture <laughs> for people who don't know what it is yes acupuncture people who it's, don't it's know a... what it is and then how did you get into it it's, it's a deceptive term because it just means to needle puncture the needle with a skin so it's mm. like if you call the medical doctor hypodermic you know because they use mm. hypodermic needles but because we use needles they use that as defining word it's actually yeah. called um traditional medicine classical medicine oriental okay. medicine that would be the right terminology for it because okay. it's a medicine that has been around for thousands of years at least a good 2500 3000 years so it's been around for a very long time and i really think the reason why it's been around so long is because it actually works Mm, you know, not, yes. It stood the test of time. Yeah. Um, so the basis of acupuncture is that there are these what we call um, acupuncture points or meridians. Meridians are like little pathways or little mm. lines where the energy or we in Chinese medicine, they call it qi, which basically yeah. translates to mean energy, the flow of energy okay. that flows through your body. So if you think of chi, it's like your vital force. It's like mm. that force that keeps you alive. That okay, force gotcha. in your body that animates everything in your body. So that's what um, acupuncture does. We find out where this person is blocked because if, if, let's say for instance, you have pain at some point in your body, instead of everything flowing freely, it's as if you have like, say, a log or a big rock is blocking the path of this flow. Mm. And so every time that flow of energy is moving through your body and it hits this point like this, you feel pain. Yeah. So me as an acupuncturist, I would look at exactly which part of your body has the pain, where it's located, and then I would put a needle in the appropriate point. And okay. then when I, if I have that done correctly, then your pain would go away almost instantaneously within seconds. You just see oh, a difference. Wow. Yeah, mm. it, it works very fast. Acupuncture works on, I would say, similar to like electricity. Mm. So if you think about it, like um, there's a wire that goes from, you know, a power source to maybe your lamp or your computer. The minute you turn yeah. that switch on, right? It, within a few seconds, it comes on. Mm, yes. So okay. the same thing with acupuncture, because we're working with energy, we're not working so much with the chemistry. Like when we think of medicine, like Western medicine, the medicine that we're used to, that you go and you get a medication is working on the chemical pathways in the body. Mm. So your chemical pathways is similar to like when you eat food. 
that's also okay. working on your biochemistry. So that's why the effects may take anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes for you to feel the effects of it. Because you have to go through your digestion system. It has to go through the blood flow. So there's like different levels it has to go through before your body have a reaction to it. And it's nothing okay. wrong with that system. It's that that system is there to protect you. Because suppose you, you ingested something that's bad for you. Mm-hmm. The fact that it goes through your system slowly before it takes effect, it just doesn't go like boom and go right to your heart and all your organs. It got to yeah. go through a process first so your body could see whether it's harmful or not and make the adjustments to that. So that's okay. the reason why that if the acupuncture treatment is correct, the person should feel the effect within seconds. Oh, wow. That's they should really feel amazing. a change. Huh? I said, that's really amazing. Yeah. Huh? Okay. I was going to say, how did you get into acupuncture? Like, how? because especially as you were saying, people as a didn't 19 know year about old, it. How does yeah. a 19 year old black girl from Brooklyn get into acupuncture? Right? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I was one of these smart kids in school. And I think in your day and time, they call you gifted. Mm. So, you know, the kids, they're in the gifted program. Yeah. Back in the day, we were called advanced placement kids. They call us AP. I think it stands for advanced progress or advanced placement, something to that effect. We still have some AP classes. Okay. So I was an AP student. And back in those days, we got skipped a grade. So Mm -hmm. I never did eighth grade. I, I went from seventh grade sixth grade, seventh grade, and then into ninth grade, because our middle school went from seventh grade, eighth and ninth. And so I went to college at a very young age. So by the time I turned 19, I was already in my third year of college. Oh, wow. So I was a true, yeah, because I graduated high school at 16. Okay. Because I got skipped a year. So um, I went into college thought I wanted to be a psych major. The rats was a <laughs> the rats was a deal killer. You know, there's if you're a psych major, you're doing any kind of lab work, you're gonna have to deal with rats. And I was like, oh. uh, I went in the lab, saw all the little rats running around in mazes and they're scurrying around and you know, people are picking up the rats and doing so I went from being a psych major to a liberal arts major, which, you know, if you go to college that means really nothing. <laughs> you're just taking a whole bunch of classes <laughs> Doesn't it's, like to it's like it's like art history or music history you know it's like okay there's no jobs involved in those. Ah, <laughs> you're just wasting you, your you. parents money probably right so i did that and so i went from psych major to liberal arts major got bored with liberal arts and then i did theater and dance major Ooh! Yes, I I auditioned. There was a a new dance department and I auditioned. No formal training. I just liked to Mm -hmm. dance. I could pick up um, steps very quickly. So I went to their audition and I made it, even though I had no formal training. So now I'm in the dance major. So that lasted for about a year and a half. And then I started getting bored. Mm-hmm. being a dance major, but I'm in my third year of college and I just major surfed throughout college. So, uh. so my dance um, advisor, she said, well, 
what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I really don't want to dance because it's boring because you do the same routine <laughs> over and over. That That's the boring. life of a dancer. <laughs> it's, you, you, you do the same routine over, you know, like those people that are dancing with Beyonce. Oh my god. They're doing the same dance every night over and over three shows. That, that's true. That's <laughs> true. That routine. But eventually so, you get to another one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean they're doing that for nearly a year and they rehearsed it probably six months before they got to that. So you're looking yeah. at a year and a half of doing the same thing every single day. <laughs> Well, I've never, I used to dance too. Like when I was younger, I've never thought of it that way. Like at all. Wow. Well, it's fun. But if you're a professional dancer, that's what You just do the same routine. You could, I mean, if you got into a Broadway show and that thing ran for 10 years, you're doing that same number every single day. Yes. Wow. So I was like, uh, this is what the life of a dancer looked like. I'm like, no. So, um, I got an A. I was the only student that got an A in this class. It was called kinesiology, which was mm. the study of the body and movement. So we had kinesiology for dancers. So, you know, you're a dancer. So if you do like an arabesque or you mm. do a pirouette or, you know, you do some kind of movement like that and dancers would get injuries in their ankles and their hips and so forth, knees. And yeah. so the class was to teach dancers how to position their bodies correctly so they could avoid injury. I found that fascinating. So she said, well, you were the only one that got an A in the kinesiology class because it's all like, you know, muscles and movement mm -hmm. and positioning. And I thought that stuff was fascinating. So she said, well, maybe you should go into dance therapy. Oh. Didn't know anything about dance therapy. And I am a nerd. And I found out. I like what Miriam Slingo said to me. She said, no, you're very inquisitive. You're not really a nerd. You're, you're very inquisitive. I said, well, that's a nice way of putting it. I like that too. Very inquisitive. You're just inquisitive. So I went to the library since I knew nothing about dance therapy. And I got every single book I could find on therapy. So there was dance therapy, music therapy, art therapy, physical therapy. If it said therapy, I just pulled it off the shelf. Mm -hmm. And I went home and I read every book on therapy. The one that I found interesting was the one on physical therapy. I wasn't really interested in physical therapy, but there was one line in the book that said, physical therapists, acupuncture works very well, but physical therapists cannot do acupuncture in the state of New York um, because it's invasive and they can't puncture the skin. So I was ah. like, oh, but when I saw the word acupuncture, you ever see those little cartoon and the light bulb goes off above the <laughs> like, and I was yes. like, oh, wow, acupuncture. I had no idea what it was. I was like, I want to do that. I don't know what came over me, wow. but it was like this something snapped in and I want to do that. And then the next thought was like, oh, God, my mother will never sign the papers. to Let me go to China. That was my yeah. next thought right after that, because I figured acupuncture is some <laughs> kind of Chinese thing. You'd have to go to China to do it. You know, so that was my thought. And about a week later, we used to have food vendors. Now you, you have food trucks, right? Mm -hmm. But we yeah. used to have, we had some food trucks, but we used to have food vendors. So these people used to come and they used to set up a table and have food. You know, so when you go between classes, you could grab a snack or something. So that's okay. how it was set up back then. Oh, that's nice. And there was a fella, Mustafa. He had a table with 
you know, like nuts and like cashew and stuff. I'd always stop and mm -hmm. grab a bag of nuts and something from him. But he had this green flyer and it said acupuncture on it. This is like a week after I read it in the book and say, my mom wow. won't let me go to China. So there I'm like looking and I pick up this flyer and I was like, acupuncture. Oh my God, I just read about this like a week ago. And within two weeks, he was going to have an open house. He opened up a wellness center. He was going to have this open house and he invited an acupuncturist to come by to, wow. you know, speak at this wellness the center. The steps were was, aligning. It was like synchronicity. It was like boom, 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 right? And I was like, oh my God. And I was like a kid waiting for Christmas to come. I just had the flyer <laughs> on my nightstand. I kept looking at the date. I can't wait. I'm going to be there. You know, make sure I got on the train early so I would be there. And I'm one of the first people at this event. And I knew Mustafa because he sold the nuts and stuff in front of the mm -hmm. college. So I've, I've known him for a number of years because I'd buy from him. And Mustafa was there. And a few people were there. And this is a this event was held in Harlem. That's where he had a brownstone okay. that he was going to do this wellness center. So I'm sitting there and everybody that's coming in looks like us. Right? Oh, period. Because I'm I'm looking for Mr. Miyagi to show up. That's <laughs> Oh my goodness. I'm like, okay. You know, so this event, you know, I get there at 10, the event yes. doesn't end till four, the acupuncturist, and then, you know, everybody's looking like me or they're Latino, you know, I'm like, okay, yeah. where's Mr. Miyagi? You know, like waiting for this, you know, and I- You couldn't even fathom that Black people could do this. No, I'm I'm looking, I'm like literally thinking that this little Mr. Miyagi is going to walk in with some round glasses and a Mandarin robe. That's what was oh in my, my mind. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about yes. stereotyping. That's the image I had in my mind of acupuncturist. He got to look something like this. So, you know, so it's getting towards the end of the day. I'm getting disappointed. I'm like, oh, man, Mr. Miyagi's not going to show up. I wasted my time. I'm feeling kind of sad. And then these two brothers walk in at the end of the day. They were late because he kept, you know, he kept stalling and, you know, he kept mm. saying, I got a phone call. The acupuncturist on their way. And when these two brothers walk in. And I'm like looking behind them, still waiting for Mr. Miyagi to show up. Oh my <laughs> like, goodness. They can't be the acupuncturist. <laughs> You're like, are they the escorts? Yeah, I'm thinking maybe they're, they're his bodyguards, you know. So, you know, I'm I'm not even fathoming that these two guys could be the acupuncturist. And then they get up there and they're talking and I'm blown away. So it started out that in New York City, back in like around the 60s, 70s, there mm -hmm. was an epidemic of heroin. Oh. So, you know, and, and if, you know, like when I grew up as a kid in New York, you'd see a lot of heroin addicts and they had the best sense of balance because they fascinated me as a kid because they would mm -hmm. always look like this. They would do, I call it the heroin addict lean and I'm not being culturally inappropriate of making fun of anybody yeah. but they'll be like this and they could lean and lean and lean you know you ever see michael jackson when he did that smooth criminal and he leaned <laughs> yes. real and didn't fall the heroin addicts could do that so as a kid they kind of fascinate because they would never fall down they just, whatever position they start leaning in, they could go really, really far. So it was like they were defying mm -hmm. gravity. Yeah, so they I, were, they were, I, knew, I knew it wasn't good, 
but it still fascinated me that they could yeah. go lean so far and never fall down. I've never seen a heroin addict ever fall down as a kid. Oh, wow. So we had a lot of that on the streets of New York. Mm-hmm. And so these brothers, um, they were an offshoot of the Black Panther Party. At that time, they called themselves the Black Liberation Army. But mm-hmm. they were an offshoot of because by then, um, a lot of the Black Panthers had either gotten assassinated, you know, or gotten mm-hmm. arrested and all of these yeah. types of things. So those, um, especially Matulu Shakur, who was Tupac's stepdad, mm-hmm. um, he started this acupuncture detox clinic in the South Bronx at Lincoln Hospital. Oh, and wow. they started and they had such great success. They actually got kicked out of Lincoln Hospital because they started to treat everything because it was a drug detox. Oh. Unit. So they had such great success. And they were all about the community that when people said, you know, my grandmother have arthritis or my baby girl got asthma or, you know, someone had an upset stomach. They say, sure, bring them by. We'll treat them. And mm-hmm. so the hospital noticed like all these people were going to the detox unit for treatment and it wasn't just detoxing alone. So the hospital mm-hmm. told them to kind of cease and desist. And, you know, these are like really strong, tough looking brothers. And they're like, no, we're going to do what we're going to do. So the hospital got yeah. a little bit intimidated by them. So they had 50 of New York's finest, um, which they call the police in New York. So 50 of New York's oh. finest came and they padlocked the clinic. These brothers, they were Mm -hmm. so determined that they broke into the clinic at night and got all their patient files and moved to Harlem and called all the patients. This is where we're going to be. Yeah. So that's where I came in at the school that they had in Harlem. Um, It was called Banner, Mm -hmm. B-A-A-A-N-A. People used to think it said banana, but it was actually Banner. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, fine playing tricks. It was missing an N. It was close, but it was missing one N. Because <laughs> you look at banana. <laughs> no, it was called Banna. It was the Black Acupuncturist Advisory Association of North America. Okay. That's, that's what the acronym meant. So um, they started detoxing people off of heroin and off of methadone, mm. which was actually aldophene because it was you know something that was invented in Germany through the Bayer Company bear aspirin um, for Adolf Hitler. So it was called uh, Dolphin because that was supposed to strengthen the army, the Aryan army that he had. But they found out it put them to sleep instead of making them stronger. So so that's why people went from heroin to methadone to now you have people on meth. Mm. So all of that is, you know, it kind of traces back to that. And then um, heroin, the reason why they decide to use acupuncture for heroin addiction is because they went and they said, did anybody else have a problem with um, opioids? And oh, they yeah. found out that China had an opium problem and China cleaned up their opium problem by using acupuncture was one of the means that they use. And the other means was the firing squad. It's, it's like you're used to like, like when the communists took over. Yeah, you are useless oh. as a society. If you don't want to stop taking um, opium, if you don't want to stop smoking opium or going to the opium dens, you know, because that was their version of crack houses back then. So oh, this wow. drug war has always been there. It's always been a tool of, you know, it's always been a tool of um, oppression with yeah, drugs because that's what happened definitely. in China. So they cleared up their opium addiction 
um, with that. And that's what led Matula Shakur and Dr. Richard Delaney were the two people. And they went to China and they found there was a young man there. Um, his They were Romanian and they had formed a college in Quebec, China. So we were actually licensed through Quebec. So it was like a weird, okay. you know, Romania through Quebec, through China. And they found um, Mario Wexu. He was actually writing a book on auricular acupuncture because they use air acupuncture to help detox people in China. Off Is that of what auricula means? The auricula means ear? ear acupuncture. Yeah. Okay. So they were using the ears to do that. So they have it now in the States. They call it drug court. Mm. So you could go, instead of going to jail, you could go to these detox units and they'll use the air. So this was the guys okay. that actually started that whole thing back in, you're looking like mid seventies, this started yeah. in New York. So they, those were the guys. And um, they were a very interesting group of characters, very, very determined. Nothing could stop them. Nothing could slow them down. So I think being around them and that passion that they had for their work and helping the community and being advocates really inspired me. And, you know, so to me, it was like, this is the coolest thing ever. As a 19 year old, I was like, this is way cool. You know, and we were like rebels and, you know, you had all, (laughs) you had a mixture of everything going on. You know, it was so anti tradition that, you know, of course, as a 19 year old, of course you'd love that. And and you're helping people too. So I think that's amazing. And I saw like fascinating things. I'd see people walk, you know, come in there with, they couldn't walk because they either injured their leg and I would Mm. see them like work on the patient and the person will walk out without their crutches. I would, we had one little kid that he was um, the son of one of the diplomats because, you know, we have the UN New York, so we get a lot of diplomats and people like that. And he was the son of a diplomat and he was cross-eyed. And they use mm-hmm. acupuncture and, and children, we don't use needles. So we use another thing called moxibustion. It looks like a cigar. It's a stick and okay. they light it and they use, they won't burn you with it, but they'll put it close to your skin for heat therapy. So they actually used oh. it on a point that affects the eyes on his foot and mm-hmm. his eyes got straight. Wow. Yeah, it's like, so seeing stuff like that, that was so cool That's when amazing. you're like 19 and 20. It's like, oh, I'm, yeah. I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. This is way cool. I have a question about the needles. So mm-hmm. like when I go to the doctor, I, I have to be squeezing people's hands. Needles mm-hmm. are, do, do they hurt? Do acupuncture needles hurt? Do they, no. can you feel it? <laughs> you, you could feel it, but it feels as if somebody pinched your skin. So mm. let me show you this. So if you, like, if you could see the tip of the pen, the little ballpoint on the yeah. pen. Okay. So the acupuncture needle is like this. The reason why a hypodermic needle hurts is that the needle is cut at an angle and there's a hole in the needle for them to deliver the medication. So when the needle goes through your skin, this part of the needle is going through and then this part comes last because the medication is being delivered through this. So when it goes through your skin, it rips your skin. So the fact that it tears your skin so they could, that's the part that hurts. Whereas the acupuncture oh. is like taking a ballpoint pen and basically going like this to the skin. So it, the skin stays intact. Oh, so other than okay. the pressure that you might feel like a tiny prick, like if somebody just pricked you with a pen and you went like, ah, that's about it. Okay. And okay, most people, if, you, if you're if you really good at needling, most people won't even feel when you needle them. 
Okay. Yeah. I might have to check it out now because I've always yeah, been like no, cool. interested, but also needles. Needlephobic. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But it's, 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 it's just, you know, it, it, it goes directly into the skin. It doesn't tear it. And that's the pain that people mm. are feeling when they go to the doctor, because that's how the medication is being delivered is through that little hole in the needle. And so when yeah. I was doing that in New York, the key thing was that I had community. I had a community of people that were into natural healing. I had a community of people who were vegetarians or vegans or raw food people and, you know, all of these things. So a lot of the people, or if you were into African history, there were, you know, a community of that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, any of my interests, I could always find a community of people that also had a similar interest so that support that I had from being in these various communities helped versus if you're all there by yourself on this island, it doesn't really work. So I think the yeah. fact that I had that, that strengthened. So if I went outside of those communities and people thought I was weird, it didn't really matter to me because I also mm -hmm. had this community that thought I was cool. Yeah. So, oh, that's so, so because nice. I had that balance. So by the time I did live in places like, North Carolina or Florida or places where that, you know, people were like, well, you do what? <laughs> is, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, when the first time I went to Florida and I was doing acupuncture, I had my office and the first time I heard it, I met a MD. He had an office a few doors down from mine. And one of my friends said, let's take him to lunch. And so that way, maybe you guys could get to know each other and do a referral business. You refer patients to him and vice versa. So we take him to lunch and he begins to tell me about the Buddha needles. And I'm like looking at him like, I've never heard of Buddha needles. You know, I've been an acupuncturist for years. Never heard of Buddha needles. I'm like, Buddha needles? And then he says, yeah, yeah. When, when they make the needles in China, they offer the needles up to Buddha first before they oh. ship them out. And I'm like looking at him and, you know, like sometimes I'm glad I'm intuitive and I'm glad I listen to that mm -hmm. little small voice that we hear sometimes. And I heard a voice say to me, don't laugh and don't make any smart Alec remarks. Mm. And I said to him, really just explain it to me a little bit more. Cause my thought was like, if they're offering up needles to Buddha, I see you driving a foreign car. Imagine what they did with the car. That would have been my <laughs> remark. Oh my goodness. <laughs> if they're offering up teeny tiny needles, you, you know, you're, you're, you're driving a car from Japan. Imagine what they did with it, you know, before they put it on the assembly line, maybe every single piece that they assembled was offered up to some Buddha, some other God. But yeah. he really believed this. So that was the first time. And I heard not to laugh because it sounded so ridiculous to me. I wanted mm. to laugh. I'm like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Buddha needles? And I'm I'm thinking, you know, I had to go back to my clinic to see where the, the needles actually came from. They were like made in Jersey. <laughs> okay. Yes. I'm like, they're not even made in China. They made these needles in Jersey somewhere. Mm. So Same I'm like thinking to myself. Yeah, I'm like thinking to myself, that just sounds ridiculous. So safe to say we never did a referral between me and that doctor because it was a strange conversation. Mm. And then I have a salesman walk into the clinic and then he starts asking me, 
that well, you, when you do acupuncture, his church is against it because it's energy and it's Eastern religion and it has to do with Buddha. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not Buddhist. I don't pray mm-hmm. to Buddha. I don't know anything. You know, I know they're Buddhist people, but I have nothing against anybody that's Buddhist. You know, yeah. I believe live and let live to each his own. That's my philosophy of life. And I'm good with it. But I'm like, why do you think we pray to Buddha? And he said, well, it's it's an Eastern um, type of medicine. So Buddha's involved. And I said, well, medicine is Greek and Roman, you know, this Western mm. medicine. So are they praying to Roman and Greek gods when you do medicine? And he says, oh, I see your point. And I yeah. like, yeah, that doesn't even make sense. But the truth is, in medicine, they did pray to Roman Greek gods because what they call oh. the Hippocratic Oath, they took mm-hmm. it out, but it actually said to the god Asclepius, which is the Greek father of medicine, oh. they prayed to Apollo and um, Asclepius. So it was part of the Hippocratic Oath that all doctors said. I think they took it out like 1968, 1972, sometime around then. Oh, wow. They took it out of the oath. But if you go back and research it, it's in the oath. Wow. Yeah. So maybe that's where they got the whole thing that we're praying to Buddha because it was actually part of the medical oath to pray to Greek gods. Mm, That's really interesting. Yeah. I, I would have never known that if I didn't have people asking me like I thought was silly questions, but those silly mm-hmm. questions led me to say, where in the world are they coming from? And then when I asked yeah. them about, well, the Greek and the Roman gods, I'm like, that sounded ridiculous to me until I went and, you know, cause I'm a researcher. I like to find out mm-hmm. answers. So I would go back and um, read up on it. And I said, let me look at this Hippocratic oath and see it. And they said, yeah, to Apollo and Asclepius. Oh, wow. That's, mm-hmm. that's really interesting. I never would have thought that, like, in medicine, Neither especially, because it's so, like, science-based. Um, but I guess that's more so, like, now. Um, but, okay. But, yeah, you uh, have leeches. Bloodletting oh, and yeah. leeches was a big part, and arsenic. <laughs> so, yeah. medicine has come I mean, a long way. Yes, the medicine that we, Yeah, the medicine that we have today is very, very recent. Yeah. Prior that to that, true. It wasn't, you know, it was very archaic prior to that. It's what we're dealing with now, um, I would say, is probably around maybe less than 100 years old, the form of medicine we're looking Mm. at. Imogen and all of that just really came about since like the 1920s. And, Mm. you know, it it hasn't been that long. So maybe about 100 years or so. The form of medicine we're doing is very, very recent. Wow. Sometimes I kind of forget that. Like when I think about my life, I'm so focused on what I've experienced that I forget. Like, oh, just a few hundred years ago, it wasn't like this for, it wouldn't have been like this for me, which is really wild. It is. Yeah. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. really amazing. We're going to have to have another episode. Okay. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to end it here. So yes. Is there any um, advice or any last, uh, or parting words that you would like to leave the audience with? Okay, I'm just here and be you. That's it. The world needs you. The world's waiting on you. You are the answer to somebody's prayer. Just be you. Mm. Yes. Oh, I love that. All right. Please let the people know how they can connect with you, how they can find you, 
use your get your services let the people know okay so the easiest way to find me because i don't have one of those little fancy qr things yet (laughs) (laughs) um you could reach me on ig um it is azula a-z-u-l-a creation no s just one word azula creation on ig um, on Facebook and YouTube, it is my name, Akia Azula, A-K-Y-I-A-A-A-Z-U-L-A on both Facebook and YouTube. So that's as far as I've gotten into the whole social media game. I hope to have some more handles sooner rather than later. But, you know, I'm starting out. I've, I've just built one yeah. shelf. Next time y'all see me, I'll have a bookcase ready for you. So yes. <laughs> but you got to start somewhere. Okay. Yes, most definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today. This was beautiful. I I'm really excited for this episode to come out. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Okay. Wow. Thank you everyone so much for listening. I really hope that you learned something today. You definitely learned something today. <laughs> and I hope that you received it and you'll like meditate on it. You'll take some action steps to get to your purpose and to kind of get in tune with your intuition. Um, Remember that we're all in this together and keep making strides to create a village wherever you go. All right. Bye. Bye.